the Lord. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. We're running a few minutes behind, but uh, hoping that a few more will come on in. But we're going to redeem the time and get started. We're going to do so with prayer. I ask you to stand all over the building. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. And let's invite His presence to fill this place. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the privilege once again that we have to come into your house to magnify your name and to worship you. Father, despite all the difficulties, despite all the hardships and obstacles, Lord, we're pressing forward, pressing through it all, God. We made a conscious decision and effort in this place. We've come to worship you. We've come to pour our love, our affection, our adoration upon you because you are the object of our affection. You are the one who is truly deserving, God, of every blessing that we can give. Father, we pour ourselves out as a sacrifice of praise unto you. We ask that you would inhabit our praises, that you yourself would come down, fill this place in a mighty and a powerful and in a real way that we could have a divine encounter and visitation of the Spirit of God in this place, that we could leave challenged and changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm asking have your will and your way from this opening prayer to the closing amen. We'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord together in song tonight.
How many of you know there's still power? In the name of Jesus. I got a message from Sister Alicia. Uh, heard me talk several times about Brother Morales in Cuba uh, that we work with. His daughter messaged me on Friday. And uh, she sent me a message. It was just overjoyed and, and bubbling up about a miracle that God had done. We were there back the first part of November, preached the Sunday morning in their church, just preached the gospel, preached Jesus, preached healing, preached His power. And in Cuba, if you open up the altar for prayer, you're going to pray for everybody in the house. And uh, I don't know, there were about 600 to 10 that church. They have to break it up into three different services to try to uh, get everybody in but this particular service there were several in the altars and they were lined up all the way to the back of the church one prayer and one of the ladies I, I, I remembered her praying she talked to Sister Alicia she said uh, her son was autistic and he was going for some tests important tests uh, that week she said, I, I'm very nervous about the exams. I don't know what to expect, but she said, I'm going to be praying. She said, will you pray for me as I stand in for my child, for God to heal my boy. And we prayed with her and we prayed for her. And honestly, it was just another face in the crowd. There were, in that service, 250 other people that needed prayer. So we prayed for her and went on to the next one. Somebody wanting prayer. Friday, Alicia calls and gives me a message. She said, I've got to tell you about the miracle God did. She said, do you remember praying with the lady whose child was autistic and going to the doctor for the exam? And I remembered the lady. I, I did not admittedly remember the child. She said, they went to the doctor that week. She said, they just got the cognitive results back this afternoon. And the doctor told them, said that there has been so much marked improvement in your child from the first exam to this child. We are admitting that we misdiagnosed your child and he's no longer autistic. Hallelujah. He yes. didn't misdiagnose him. But the great physician took the case. Hallelujah. Amen. I've come to tell you tonight there's still power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We can shout His name for the mountains. We can shout it in the street. In the light time and the darkness, it matters not what we face, what we go through. There's still power in the matchless name of Jesus. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through. Hallelujah. There's still wonder-working power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been feasting off that ever since she told me on Friday just of what God has done. Other things, we've gotten testimonies out of it that, that God's doing. I don't know what God's up to, but I do know this. I want to be right in the middle of whatever He's doing, declaring the power of His name. When we declare the power of His name, He'll display the power of His name. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel Him in the house tonight. If you have your hymn book and will turn with us, page 133. Let's sing in our hymn book, I Feel.
like traveling on. It's either F or A flat, I'm not for sure. Start me go from there. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Oh, North ain't gorgeous. It there. I feel like traveling on. Oh, yes, I feel like traveling second of every passing day. Amen. It sounded sweet. Let's sing it. Be flat. Joy bells are ringing in my happy soul today. For I have started in the good old gospel way. And Jesus has come into my heart. He's there to stay. Well, hallelujah. Oh, man. 
service with us. Uh, no stranger to us, Brother Adam's been here uh, before preaching the gospel, and what a uh, phenomenal preacher he is. He's had a, uh, a blessing to his life. Last time he was here, he was a single uh, traveling evangelist. Now, uh, he's a married traveling evangelist, and uh, they are traveling all over this country. It thrills my heart to see young men, young women that are Still dedicating their life to the cause of this gospel. He travels this country preaching, and uh, he is going to bless our hearts uh, preaching the gospel in just a few moments. And uh, now is our chance to be a blessing unto him. I don't know if you filled up your car lately. Uh, I did just before coming to church, and it's no less of a burden than it is this or, than it was this time last month. Or the month before, I don't know if you've been through a drive-thru lately, uh, but it keeps going up. Every day it costs to live, and it costs to carry the gospel, and uh, we want to be a blessing to them tonight. So we're going to lay it up. Uh, our offer tonight is going to be going to them. You're going to be sowing into a very fruitful ground. Ask Brother Joey if he would have prayed over the offering tonight. Over, there will be. 
praise in the house for that promise. Hallelujah. I want to say again, it's so good to have everybody with us in the house of the Lord. Appreciate your faithfulness. Uh, just a couple of announcements tonight. Our men's meeting is going to be this Friday at 7 o'clock at the church. Uh, I apologize for, for prior obligations. I'm not going to be able to be here, but I know it's going to be a great time. And uh, we uh, would love to see you at our men's meeting this Friday at 7 o'clock. We want you to be praying for Brother Vic. I went by to visit him yesterday. Um, he is battling congestive heart failure and not doing good. They had a scare on Monday and uh, rushed him to the hospital. They wound up uh, sending him home with Lasix and um, just told him he's in the Lord's hands. So uh, the good thing is I went by yesterday. He's still um, uh, able to get around on his own, albeit it's very limited, but uh, he does need a miracle in his body. We want to continue praying for him. Also, uh, Sister Davis's granddaughter, Katie, is going to be going in um, on Friday for surgery. Um, she has that, I'm going to butcher the name, Kiori malformation uh, in her neck. They're going to be, uh, this is the second time they've had to go in and shave the bottom portion of her skull off to try to relieve the pressure. Uh, it is causes um, just devastating headaches, and she's battled it for years. Uh, but we need God to intervene on on her behalf. But the judge sessions continue to remember as we pray uh, that God would uh, continue to uh, move on that situation and heal His body. We've got a lot to pray for. Uh, there is a, a lot going on. Uh, but we know that our God is able. He's still the healer. If he healed an autistic boy in Cuba, if he healed my wife's eyes, I know that these problems are not too big for him. So let's remember them in our prayers when we pray. We're going to allow Brother Adam to come on around tonight. Amen. I'm excited ever since Brother Eddie told me he was coming uh, to hear from the man of God tonight. So he's going to play. He's going to sing whatever he feel led to do. Let's give him Bible way welcome as he comes. Aren't you glad to know tonight that we serve a God who answers prayer? Yes. Amen. Whatever we have need of, if we ask in faith, believe it. We believe that he will answer and that he'll move in response to our calling out to him. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night? Yes. Amen. I'm glad that we can come in here. And receive that refreshing that we need. How many knows that sometimes the weeks get busy and our bodies get worn out? But that's why we have a Wednesday night service where we as the people of God can join together and lift up the name of the Lord and receive what we need from him. And I'm sure glad to be with you in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm so thankful to your pastor for allowing me the privilege and the opportunity to stand behind his pulpit and preach tonight. He didn't know when he booked me that he wasn't going to be here. But as God saw fit, he's in LaBelle, Florida this week preaching revival, and we know that God's been doing good things there. I talked with him and Brother Gobble this morning, and they said so far that they've been having a great meeting, and we're going to continue to pray for them, right? Amen. Amen. That's your pastor. We're going to pray that God continues to move in that meeting, but I'm so thankful to have the privilege to be here tonight. Thank you, Brother Corey, for the introduction and leading us into the worship, and, and we're glad to worship him tonight. Amen. I will say that just a few weeks ago, I believe you had your camp meeting around here. 
with two preachers from North Carolina. And I was just slow in getting here. So I'm the third preacher from North Carolina this year to minister to you tonight. And I'm so glad to have my new wife with me. We've almost been married four months. So we've got it all down pat. Everything is flowing smoothly. <laughs> but I'm so glad to have her. And I'm going to ask her to come and help me sing tonight. So worship the Lord with us as we sing. There is no doubt about it that at times the Christian life is a battle. It's an uphill battle sometimes it feels like. But you don't have to allow that battle to steal your praise. This is one of my favorite songs of worship the Lord with us.
everybody good stand with me please before we get into the word of God tonight let's just sing amazing grace before we get into his word is that alright tonight. Take them with me, please, and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 46. We're going to be looking to Genesis, chapter 46, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number one tonight. Again, it is a joy to be with you. 
I'm glad that my wife and I were able to work it out to be able to come down here in a sweep. We left home almost a week ago, I believe. We left on Friday last week and came down and preached Sunday morning and Sunday night at Forts Lake. And then we're here tonight. And then Sunday morning, we're going to be with Brother J.P. Lambert over at Stapleton. And then the following Sunday, we're going to be with Brother McDonald in Texarkana. Well, he'll be gone. They're leaving out to go to Israel. And Kaylee and I will be filling in at his church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. So do be in prayer, not only for our traveling, but that God would move in each and every service. We want to have a move of God wherever we go. Amen? That's our goal. And I believe we can have one on Wednesday night. Don't you believe it? Amen. Genesis chapter 46 and verse number one. The Bible says, And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Notice verse 4. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their cattle and their goods which they had gotten in the land of Canaan and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he with him into Egypt. I want to go back to verse number four tonight in just a moment. But I'll share with you this past summer, I was in a camp meeting in North Carolina for the Church of God, our state camp meeting. And we had a minister come through, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday night of that camp meeting. And in the course of his message, he referenced this verse, verse four that we're going to read in just a moment. And as soon as he did, a thought was birthed in my mind and in my heart that I believe was from the Lord. And I'm going to try my best to share it with you tonight. But what I'm going to preach to you is something that I'll admit I'm still learning. Is that all right? Amen. Something that God is still teaching me, but I want to try my best to share it with you through and by the word of God. Let's read verse 4 one more time and then we'll get into the message. I will go down with thee into Egypt and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. I want to talk to you for just a little while tonight on the thought, the God of the ups and downs. The God of the ups and downs. Can we go to God in prayer right now and ask him to help us to preach his word? Father, we come before you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to open up the word of God and to hear what heaven has to say to those of us here on the earth. We pray tonight, O oh God, that as we open up your word, that you give us receptive and responsive hearts, that we may receive what you would have to say to us. Lord, anoint me as your vessel to preach your word. Hide me behind your cross. Lord, let your word go forth in power and in authority, and let your word not return void, but let your word grow up within us as seeds that grow and flourish into good fruit in our lives. Move in this service tonight and meet us in an altar of prayer. And for all that is accomplished, we'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that loved him said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord.
In the time of her pregnancy, Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, could feel that there was a battle going on within. The Bible says that the children struggled together within her. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Even though Esau was the firstborn son, God established his covenant with the younger son, Jacob. And when that younger son was born, he was found holding on to the heel of his twin brother Esau, and he was given that name Jacob, which means one who follows on another's heels or supplanter. Unfortunately, there were times when Jacob tried to procure the blessing of God for his life on his own. He tried to get that word that God had spoken that the elder would serve the younger. He tried to bring that about even by using the means of deception. And in the school of life, this man Jacob had a lot to learn. He had to learn some difficult lessons. And the truth is, he didn't pass every test with flying colors. I know I don't and I know you don't. Say amen. He didn't pass every test with flying colors. At times, Jacob had to pay the price for his deception. What he sowed, he did reap. But at the end of his life, thanks to the goodness of God, and his faithfulness to God, Jacob would be blessed. And when we come to Genesis chapter 46, where we've read our text tonight, Jacob is now 130 years old. His son Joseph, whom he thought had died years before, has been found living in the land of Egypt. Not only has he been found, but he's in second command, working closely with the Pharaoh. And because of the blessing of the Lord on his life, Pharaoh told Joseph to send for his father. Even in the time of that great famine, Pharaoh said, send for your father and the rest of your family to bring them down into Egypt. He continued, I will give you the good of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father Jacob and come. Now we understand tonight that change is something that some people resist. And for good reason, familiar surroundings and the presence of family and friends all can give us a feeling of confidence. It can give us a feeling that makes life safer and easier. Jacob had lived there with his family in Hebron for many, many years. But now the time had come for him to move out. Even though there was a famine at home, even though there was trouble at home and Egypt could easily supply the need of his family, it would seem that Jacob, this elder man of God now, had some kind of concern in moving, even though... Even though there was a son there waiting to be reunited with him, it would still seem that there was some apprehension on the part of Jacob. 
Maybe it was because when Abraham, his grandfather, went to Egypt, there was some trouble that came to his life. Maybe because when his father Isaac tried to leave and go down to Egypt, God spoke to Isaac and said, stay put, don't move from where you are. Now, we don't know exactly what it is that caused Jacob to be concerned, but nevertheless, he was. Even though he knew Joseph was there waiting on him, there had to be some concern in his heart. And the Bible lets us know that in faith, Jacob started on the journey. He started heading down toward Egypt with all that he had and God spoke to him in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, I'm glad that God called him by name. He called him by name to bring peace to his troubled soul. The Lord said, I am the God of thy father. And fear not to go down into Egypt. Don't be afraid. God was letting Jacob know that the same God who was with him in Hebron would be the same God with him down in Egypt. I can tell you tonight, church, that our Lord is the God of all this earth. It doesn't matter where you go. You can't outrun his power. You can't outrun his hand because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein the psalmist said for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods the earth belongs to God don't listen to anybody that tells you this earth is controlled by the devil I know that he's the prince of the power of the air I understand that Satan has some power in this world because of sin but this earth still belongs to God and it doesn't matter if you're standing in Foley, Alabama, or if you're standing in Pascagoula, Mississippi, or all the way back in North Carolina, this world belongs to God. The Lord continues speaking to Jacob. He said, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, but it will not stop there. I will surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Now I want you to notice before we really get into the message that last phrase that Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. That meant that God was assuring Jacob that he was going to die while in Egypt. What that phrase literally meant was that Joseph would close his eyes in death. He would close the eyes of his father. Jacob would die in Egypt but God assured him that even though his life would end in Egypt, that his family would come out eventually and his bones would be buried with his fathers. The promise of God to Jacob in this verse is very specific. I will go down with you to Egypt and I will bring you up again. But I believe in that promise God reveals to us a principle that still applies. If you are a child of God, God is with you in both the ups and the downs of this life. He is the God of the ups and downs. He's the God of the hills just as he is the God of the plains. He is the God of the mountain just as he is the God of the valley. There is no doubt about it. He is with you all the way if you are his child. Now it has been used as a cliche that life is filled with ups and downs. One said life on planet earth 
has its ups and its downs, its pleasures and its pains. The highs of this life, the top points of this life are wonderful, but the lows can be hard to endure. It doesn't matter if you're a multimillionaire or if you're a penniless pauper. There's going to be high times and low times. It doesn't matter even if you're a child of God or not. It doesn't matter if you serve the Lord just as faithful as you can or if you don't even have concern at all with being faithful to God. Trouble comes to all people. Bad days happen. The Bible says that the Lord maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. It says that he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. There are going to be problems. There will be hardship. There will be trouble in this life. Job said man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. That is descriptive of everybody's life. Whether or not they're born again, trouble is going to fill your life at times. But I specifically want to speak to the life of the child of God. It can sometimes feel like a roller coaster. It can be a rough ride at times. And I find in the word of God that there are several biblical examples of those who were up and down while they were serving the Lord. Consider Elijah the prophet. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah is standing on top of Mount Carmel. He's slaughtering all the prophets of Baal. He prays that shortened prayer and God sends fire down on top of the mountain. That's a victory for the people of God. That is a show openly of the great power and the manifestation of God. But what happens next is that Elijah hears that Jezebel threatens his life. And in the very next chapter, after God reigns fire down on top of the mountain Elijah is hiding under the juniper tree saying Lord why don't you just kill me Come on now. Consider his life. It's up and then it's down. But notice John the Baptist. He was one of the most successful evangelists of his day. All of Jerusalem came out to hear him preach. Not because of a polished look. Not because of eloquent speech. But because he was as one shining the light in the darkness. Saying prepare ye the way of the Lord. John the Baptist had the touch of God on his life. He he did great things for God but then he was arrested he encountered trouble and then he sends word to Jesus saying art thou he that should come or should we look for another John the Baptist was on top but then he's down in the dumps but consider the disciple of Jesus consider Simon Peter Jesus said to him in Matthew 16 blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee but my father which is in heaven Jesus is commending him because he figured out who he was but then five, six, seven, eight verses later something like that Jesus looks at that same man who he just said blessed art thou flesh and blood hasn't revealed it to you but my father who's in heaven Five, six, seven verses later, he looks at that same man and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Come on. Up and down. That's just how this life is. It is easy to see the hand of God when you're on top of the mountain. 
It's easy to see how God is working when everything is going in your favor. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me tonight, church. There is something special about being on top of the mountain with God. There's something special about being in that place. I don't want to discredit those times when you're at the height of your experience with God, when you're praying and seeing your prayers answered, when you're coming to church and rejoicing in the Lord without a care on your heart, when you can feel that closeness to God. I don't want to discredit those times on the mountain. Some preachers preach and it sounds like nothing's good going on unless you're facing trouble. Some preachers preach about the valley and it seems like if you're on the mountain, something's wrong. But God does some great things when you're at the heights of your experience with Him. He does a work in you when you're on top of the mountain. But it's easy to recognize that He's God when everything's going your way. It's easy to recognize that He's the God of the ups of life. But it's during those down times that you can easily come to the place as a child of God where you think that God has forsaken you and left you all alone. At the first sign of trouble, you begin to think, I've messed up. I've sinned. God is mad at me. He's left me high and dry. I'm standing in this life alone because trouble has come. Now I'll go on and tell you tonight If there's sin in your life If you have messed up You need to repent of it You need to get it washed away By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ But what if there's not sin What if you are living holy before God? What if you are doing what God has called you to do? I can tell you the enemy of your soul Wants to make you believe That God has left you in the time of trouble. Has anybody ever been there? The enemy wants you to believe that God has left you during the time of hardship. I read in Judges chapter 6 that Israel had sinned against God and God delivered them into the hands of the Midianites. Israel was backed into a corner in Judges 6. They were dwelling in caves. They were pushed up in the corner. They were in trouble and they cried out to God. So in response God said I moved on your behalf. I brought you out of Egypt but you did not obey my voice so what do you want me to do now but God in his grace in his love in his mercy he goes and finds a young man by the name of Gideon and God speaks to Gideon and says get up the Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor and Gideon said unto him oh my Lord if the Lord be with us then why is all this befallen us if God is with us, if you're telling the truth that you're with me, why are we facing all of these troubles? He said, and where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. I understand clearly that Israel had sinned, yes. But what about those times when you are living right before God. I know they had messed up, but what about those times when you're striving for holiness within? Have you ever asked that question? 
If the Lord is really with me like he says he is. Do you hear me tonight? If the Lord is really doing what he said he would do, why am I facing all of this trouble? Is God really there in the down times of this life? And by the word of God, I'd like to ask three different men that question tonight. Is God there in the downs of this life? When the doctor's report comes back and it's extremely negative. When you receive that phone call that changes your life forever. When your family starts falling apart and, and tearing at the seams. Is God really there in the down times of life? First of all tonight I'd like to ask Job. Is God there? In the down times. It seems by the word that Job lived. In the days of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He was not of their family line. But he was serving God faithfully in his day. Job chapter 1 says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. There was no open and terrible sin in his life. He was living right before God. But Satan came to God and presented himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for God just to recognize that one is living for him. It's a wonderful thing for God to look at Satan and say, here's my recommendation. There's one that loves me so much, I'll let you go and mess with him for a little while. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. One that feareth God and escheweth evil. But Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught. Doth Job fear God for nothing? What does that mean, preacher? It means that Satan accused Job of serving God only for what he could get out of it. Does Job serve God for nothing? Hasn't God done an awful lot for Job? That must be why he's serving God. But on the other side of that same coin, Satan is accusing God of being naive. Do you hear me? Satan is accusing God of turning a deaf ear, of batting his eye and saying, well, Job doesn't serve you because he loves you. Satan talking to God. Job doesn't serve you because he loves you and wants to live for you. Job serves you because of what you've given him. You have blessed him. That's why he serves you. But Satan continued. You've done an awful lot for him. You really have blessed him. But if you'll cut off the blessings, if you'll turn your eyes away from Job, if you'll remove that hedge from off of him, Job is going to curse you to your face. He'll turn away from you so fast, it'll make your head spin. So in that moment, Satan came and he took all that Job possessed. He took his animals. He took his children, took his homes. Everything that 
Job had was destroyed. But as a shock to Satan, Job turned around and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away, but I'm still going to bless the name of the Lord. And the Bible said in all this, Job did not sin, and he did not charge God foolishly. But tonight I want you to see where the rubber meets the road. Here's where we really get down to business. Job had fallen into the greatest down season of his life. And that's just chapter 1. It's just getting started. There's 42 chapters in the book of Job. And that's chapter 1. The greatest down season of his life has just gotten started with no reason given by God, with no explanation, with no answer. Job lost it all. And that right there, friend, is where the prosperity gospel loses its charm. Job, a man of God, somebody who was perfect, who did not serve other gods, somebody who was faithful to God, said the Lord gave now we can shout, we can run the aisles, walk over pews. The Lord gave, the Lord gives. He is a giver. But then Job said, that man of God, the Lord hath taken away. God is a giver. I'm not here to discredit that tonight. God is the greatest philanthropist that this world has ever known. He has given more to the human race than any of us ever could. He gave to us life. He gave us breath. He gave us hands. He gave us feet. He gave us everything that we need. In the natural sense, God has given us the sun. He's given us the moon. He's given us the stars, the earth, the trees, the air that we breathe. Everything we need has been given to us by God. That list can go on and on, but as you know, the greatest gift of God to humanity is the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God is a gift. But God is also a taker. We don't like that. We don't want to hear that. But Job said, the Lord hath taken away. God allowed Job to lose all of those things. And that's where name it and claim it preachers will stop the message and run right to the end of the story and shout, God gave everything back to Job. He had a happy ending. He got double for his trouble. We can shout and go to the house. But this is where I felt God started teaching me something. What if he had not given everything back? He did. But what if he had not given Job back everything that he took plus more? Would he have still been just? Would God have still been justified if he didn't give everything back? 
You know, there are times when God will allow something to be removed from you. There are times when God will take something away from you, not just so He can give you more stuff. Not just so he can grow your bank account a little larger than it was before. Now I'm not going to stand and tell you that God is selfish in his taking. Because God isn't going to just snatch something out of your hand and laugh about it. What he takes, he is going to replace. Amen. He'll give you something back, but it may not be what you were looking for. I read in Joshua chapter 5 that after about 38 or 40 years of wandering in the wilderness that there came a day when that which sustained God's people stopped falling. The manna ceased, the Bible says. For all of that length of time, God had provided them with daily bread and now the manna was gone. What took the manna away? It wasn't a bad day. It wasn't a bad set of circumstances that took the man away. God took the man away. But it wasn't just so he could make his people starve. Come on now. It wasn't just because he caused his people to lose a few pounds. It's because God knew it was time for those people to get out of the wilderness and to move into Canaan. Because in Canaan, there was something better than manna. There was something better than quails. There was milk. There was honey. There was grapes. There was corn. There was grain. Whatever they needed was waiting on the other side. But God had to take the man away to prepare them for what was waiting in Canaan. God took the man away, but he fully intended on replacing it with something better. Something better, not just more of manna, not just more of quail, but God had something better waiting on the other side. Even Jesus, the Son of God, even He said that God is a taker. I read in John 15 and 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, He purgeth it. He takes a little bit away from it, not so he can tear it all to pieces. Are you hearing me tonight? Not so he can just put them down in the dumps, but so that branch may bear more fruit so that it may bring forth more fruit whatever God does allow to be taken away from you I can assure you you'll be way better off with it gone from your life he may not give you more money he may not give you a bigger house he may not give you a new car he may not give you more stuff but I can promise you if God takes something away from you he's going to replace it with more of his power He'll replace it with more of his anointing. He'll replace it with more of his strength. He'll replace it with more of his presence in your life. Job knew that God was a taker. He knew that God allowed those things to happen in the down season of his life. But Job still said, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Job still said, behold, I go forward.
forward and he is not there. I go backward and I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work that I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. He may have took some things away from me but he knows the way I take and when I am tried I shall come forth as purified and perfected gold. God's doing something in your life when you face the down season. There's value in the down times of life. First Peter 1 and 6 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now I promise you I'm going to hurry. But if you ask Job, is God there during the down times of life? Job will tell you I couldn't always find him, but he was there all the time. So let's ask another man, is God there in the down times of life? He's the sweet singer of Israel. He's a young man when we first are introduced to him. And we meet David when he's out in the field tending to his father's sheep. He was a shepherd when we meet David. David knew what it was like to have awesome ups and awful downs. He knew what it was like to face great enemies and he knew what it was like to enjoy the blessings of God. David was in the pasture tending to the sheep when the Bible says that he killed a lion and he killed a bear. That was preparing David for what was to come just a little while later in his life. The Philistines started war up against the people of God. David's brothers were fearful to fight. They said, we're too scared. They're knocking at the knees, scared to go out and face Goliath. But when David came on the scene, even though he was just a young teenager, he saw a bully standing out on the field, cursing the name of God. And David said, I won't stand for this. I will not sit here and listen to that big bully standing out there cursing the name of my God. So David went out without the armor of Saul, without the great swords of the war heroes in Israel, he went out with five smooth stones and with a sling. He met Goliath and said, the God who saved me out of the hand of the lion, the God who saved me out of the hand of the bear is the God who will deliver this Philistine into my hand. So he went out and said, Goliath, you know the story. You've come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a shield, but I've got something better than all of that. Hallelujah. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defiled. He comes out there. He slings the stone and Goliath falls to the ground as a testimony to the fact that God will be with you when you face the enemies of this life. So later on, David, years down the road, is crowned king 
over all of Israel. And you would think things were just going to go wonderful in his life. From there on out, it would be smooth sailing, no more trouble. He's hit the high life. Till you come to 1 Samuel chapter 30. When David and all of his men come back to Ziklag. And the whole city has been left in a state of ruin. All their wives, all their children have been taken away. The city has been burned to the ground. And now David's own men are turning against him. They're ready to find them somebody else. His own men are turning against him. And David, in concern, in worry of his heart, no doubt, turns to God and says, Lord, shall I pursue? Should I even try to go out and face those Amalekites that had come in here and tore our city to shreds? And God said, pursue. Get up. Go find them. Overtake them, and you shall surely recover all. Now you're talking about a bad day when you find your whole city's been destroyed, all your family's been snatched away from you. You're talking about a downtime in this life. And David said, Lord, should I even go after them? God said, you go ahead. I'll be with you on your down day. And the same down day, God turned it into an up day because he got everything back that the enemy stole. God's there in the down times of this life. And it was David who wrote those words in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. David knew that no matter what came in this life, that God was going to be there with him quickly I want to ask David is God there in the down times of life and I believe David would tell you the God who helped me kill the bear the God who helped me kill the lion the God who helped me kill the Philistine the God who kept me from that madman in the palace the God who helped me get everything back after the Amalekites stole it and took it away. He's been there all the time. One more man and I'm done. Ask a man named Joseph. Is God there in the down times of life? If there was anybody in the word of God who understood having a life of ups and downs, it was Joseph. Joseph grew up in the house of Jacob. He was the first child of his mother Rachel. 
And if you know the story, Jacob was married to sisters by the names of Leah and Rachel. Leah bore him many sons, but Rachel was the true love of his life, and her womb was barren. She could not bear Jacob any children, but there came a day when God remembered Rachel and he opened her womb. She conceived and she bare a son and called his name Joseph. And we know by the word of God that Joseph was the apple of his father's eye. Genesis 37 and 3 says that Israel loved Jacob more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made Joseph a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. What are you telling me, preacher? I'm just telling you to start with, he was up in the eyes of his father. He was in a high place. He was enjoying his life in the father's house. But then he had two dreams that changed the course of his life. That first dream was, Joseph said, Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and it also stood upright, and behold your sheaves, my brother's sheaves, stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf, and his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for for his dreams and for his words. But then Joseph had another dream. And that dream was behold, I had dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance unto me. And Genesis 37 and 11 would say that his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same because of their hatred toward their brother. They took hold of Joseph one day. They stripped him of that coat of many colors and they threw him down into a pit. There was a band of Ishmaelites that were passing through and they sold Joseph into slavery. Those men to whom they sold him, they brought Joseph down to Egypt. They took him down into the land of Egypt and sold him to Potiphar. They sold him to that officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. But when Joseph went down to Potiphar's house, things started looking up. Just hang on with me a few more minutes. When things went down, Joseph landed in Potiphar's house and he started looking up again. Genesis 39 would say the Lord was with Joseph. He was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand and Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hand. Potiphar trusted Joseph because the Lord was with him even when he went down to Egypt and Potiphar said I'll trust you man I'll put all that I have under your care. He's up in Potiphar's house. But then it's just like the devil to come by and drag you down. Potiphar's wife came 
and tried to seduce Joseph. Tried to cause him to lie with her. But Joseph refused because the Lord meant more to him than his master's wife. He said, I'll not turn on my master and lay down with his wife. So Joseph ran out of the room and Potiphar's wife sold a bill of goods to Potiphar. She said, Joseph, this Hebrew boy you brought in here, he tried to lie with me. Get him out of this house. And Potiphar landed Joseph down into prison. Up and down. He was living the high life in the house of Potiphar. But now he's down in prison. But guess what? Even when he went down to prison, Joseph was blessed. The Bible says the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were there. Whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did made, or the Lord made, to prosper. In prison, God elevated Joseph. And there were two men who were sitting in there with him who had been placed there by Pharaoh. His baker and his butler. And the Bible says that both of those men had dreams. And that butler comes to him and says, this is my dream. That baker comes and says, this is my dream. And Joseph gives him the interpretation. One is going to die and be hanged and the other is going to be restored. But Joseph said to that one that was restored, I want you to remember me when you go to Pharaoh's house. But when he arrived, he forgot about the one that had helped him. But there came a day when Pharaoh himself had a dream and he couldn't find anybody in all of Egypt to interpret that dream. And Pharaoh said, is there somebody here that can find an interpreter? And that baker, I believe it was, he said, I remember there was a man down in prison. And he helped me interpret my dream. I believe he can help you too. So Joseph came up into Pharaoh's house and Joseph was remembered. He interpreted the dream and immediately as an act of the favor of God, Pharaoh placed Joseph over his house, back up. And Pharaoh took off his ring, the Bible says, and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck, and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. What happened to Joseph? Joseph went from a jumpsuit to a royal robe and a ring. He was lifted up out of that low place of prison and he was raised back into power, second in command over all the land of Egypt. What are you trying to tell me, preacher? I'm just telling you tonight that one thing remained constant. Joseph never stopped being faithful to God. And at the end of the story, Joseph said to his brethren, you thought evil against me when you threw me down into the pit, but God 
God had a purpose. God had me here to save many people alive. And when a famine came to Egypt, Joseph was put in command. And because God had him in the right place at the right time, that whole land was spared. I'm just trying to tell you tonight that if you ask Joseph, is God there in the down times of life? I believe he would say the God who was with me when the coat was on is the God who was with me when the coat was gone. The God who was with me in my father's house is the God who was with me when I was down in the pit. When I was down in the pit, God took me up to Pharaoh's house or Potiphar's house. But the same God who was with me at Potiphar's house is the God who was with me in prison. And the God who was with me in prison is the same God who lifted me up again in the Pharaoh's palace. I've just come on Wednesday night to remind somebody in the house of God that the God on the mountain, he is still God in the valley. And when things go wrong, he is going to make it right. The God of the good times is still the God of the bad times. And the God when the light is shining is the God in the darkness of the night. He is our refuge. He's our strength. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. And God will be with you through it all. I'm coming to a close. Somebody make your way back. Sister Kaylee, if you come. He will be there through it all. Jesus said, as he was given the disciples that great commission, he said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hebrews said that the, the God we serve told us, I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee, but I'll go with thee. He'll go with us all the way. And you can be sure that a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directed his steps. If it's up, down, up, down. If you're serving him, he's leading you. He's guiding you all the way. And at the end of the day, you're going to be blessed because you're his child. Even when things are falling apart. I know this is easy to hear when you're up on the mountain. But even when things are falling apart, he's still there. But the last thing I want to share with you, if you just go ahead and stand with me tonight. The real power comes, I believe, not in just knowing that he is God in the ups and the downs of life. That's good shouting material. But power comes when you make it personal. We can rejoice. I know he's God when I'm on the mountain. I know he's God in the valley. Now let's shake hands, go to the house. But the power comes when you make it personal. He is my God when I'm up. And he's my God when I'm up, but he'll still be my God when I'm down. He's my God who said, call upon me. In the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. He's my God. And tonight, as we're about to come to this altar prayer, I just want to remind you, make it personal. He's my God when I'm up. 
but I'll still serve him. Like Joseph, when I'm down in the pit, when I'm in prison, I'll still serve him when I'm down. He's my God when I'm up. He's my God when I'm down. And he'll carry me through. Do you believe it tonight? Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you that your word is true. And that it's not just the words of men, but it's the words of God. And Lord, I pray that you give strength to that one who's in the down season of life. Carry them through all the way to the other side. Give them hope that will last. Give them hope that will help them to endure. Touch your people tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name. I want everybody just to come and pray for a little while tonight. No matter where you find yourself, if you're in the high season of life, if everything's going your way, the Apostle James said, if any man is merry, let him sing psalms to God. Let him sing psalms to the Lord. But if you're down in the valley, you just come and renew that trust. He's my God. I'll trust in Him. He's my God. I'll believe His Word. He's my God. I'll continue to serve Him no matter what comes in this life. Can we pray? Let's get a hold of God tonight. Oh, no, no. 
God, let every word that the man of God speaks, let it be right to me.